from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. A way they could save money, they're always looking to save money, is why don't they make the, the uh, statue of the two of them hugging each other? I don't think they're going to fire a coach during the season, but clearly if they miss the playoffs, I, I think Jeff Albert will be unemployed. They still feel like they're, they're, they're always, and, and God bless them, they're always coming up with, with ways to explain their optimism. I'm Jonathan All. The St. Louis Cardinals did not have a good first half of the season. They went into the All-Star break with a losing record, tied for third place and eight games behind the Milwaukee Brewers. This is not a position fans are used to seeing their beloved Redbirds in. Joining us to talk about this is Benjamin Hawkman, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Benjamin, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great. Better than the Cardinals, I think. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is not a position that fans like to see them in. Um, I'd like to start with what went wrong and maybe cage it with, if Jack Flaherty and Miles Michaelis didn't get injured, how much better would this team have been? Yeah, that's a good perspective right off the bat. Terrible baseball pun intended. Uh, when you look at Miles Michaelis and Jack Flaherty, and, he, and even Dakota Hudson, who is out for the whole year with Tommy John surgery. I mean, here's basically your one, two, and three in regards to your starting rotation. So there's definitely a lot of frustration and a lot of fill-ins going on on the mound there for St. Louis, but it doesn't matter if the guys can't hit, and most of the guys are not hitting well at all. And the fill-ins haven't been doing particularly well either. Carlos Martinez, who has had some excellent uh, past as a pitcher, uh, seems to have really struggled a lot in some of his outings. Yeah, he's wildly unpredictable, almost a, a flip of a coin, whether people, people people call it good Carlos or bad Carlos. Which Carlos will the Cardinals get on a particular day? But, but now it doesn't matter because he also is injured and is out for the year, the theme of the season for the pitchers. Speaking of pitchers and injuries, uh, I'm wondering what your take is on how much the weird season last year might be at least somewhat responsible for these injuries, because pitchers are, are creatures of habit. They do things in a, certain, in a certain way. And if they went, especially the starting pitchers, from you know throwing around 200 innings uh, in 2019 and then you know almost only half of that last year because of COVID— do you think that might be responsible for some of the injuries that we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a doctor, though. I used to tell girls when I was single I was when I was at <laughs> Cafe Napoli and did, such. And did that work? It never worked. <laughs> okay. They saw right through it when they asked me a follow-up <laughs> question. But, no, the reality is, uh, yes, it's quite possible that the, the wonky season, the wonky schedule, and just the change of everything affected some of these pitchers' arms. I'm not sitting here saying that 100% of pitchers' injuries in 21 are because of the pandemic season in 20. Uh, however, yeah. Uh, it's quite possible that it affected that. Well, we've talked a lot about starting pitching, but the offense hasn't been particularly good either, has it? No, and how frustrating is that because the St. Louis Cardinals acquired Nolan Arenado, uh, one of the biggest trades in franchise history, and, and he hasn't been too bad. I mean, he, he made the All-Star team batted third for the National League just a few nights ago, uh, but so many of these other guys have underachieved. It, it, it's really frustrating to watch. Do you, do you is is it just a, a weird confluence of a lot of people having a down year on the offensive side, or do you think there's something behind all of this? 
That that's a great question, and that's that's a debate that happens whether it's up at the Bush Stadium press box or or down on bar stools in Ballpark Village or, or anywhere. Uh, how much does hitting coach Jeff Albert affect the actual outcome of at bats for the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, because he's been the hitting coach for three years now, and while the Cardinals overall have been a successful team and cracked the playoffs, they're annually among the lowest teams in the National League in OPS and slugging percentage and numerous offensive categories and you look at someone like Paul DeYoung and you look at someone like Tommy Edmond uh, and some of these other guys they're, they're just really having awful seasons it's when if you follow Twitter at all after any game where they don't hit well fire firing Albert is uh, the the quote du jour and if they don't pitch well firing Maddox is the quote du jour um, I but these are also people who have been successful in the past how much can you lay at the foot of a coach and how much do you have to lay at the foot of, of the players no, that's, that's a great question, and of course that's what John Moselak, Michael Gersh, and all the rest of the folks in the front office are, are discussing, surely, on a, on a daily basis, and, and do, you, do you change directions midseason? I, just from my understanding and talking to people over there on Clark, I don't think they're going to fire a coach during the season, but clearly if they miss the playoffs, I, I think Jeff Albert will be unemployed, and when you look at Mike Maddox, he, he's done wonderfully uh, in numerous regards uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals over the past few years, but the walk rate is just so disgusting this year. Uh, it's, it's rather embarrassing. You mentioned the playoffs. And, and I'm wondering, realistically, with the, 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 the roster that the Cardinals have right now and the roster that the Brewers have right now uh, and that the, the wild cards are probably most likely going to come out of the NL West because those teams are playing a lot better than teams in other divisions – is it even realistic to think that the Cardinals can make the playoffs? Well, I think there's there's three ways to look at it, and I'll, I'll try to capture it all in a soundbite. Uh, one, one would be the statistical way, and if you look at Fangraphs.com, they say there's a 2% chance that the current St. Louis Cardinals can make the playoffs. Then you can kind of look at it in an optimistic way where you're like, well, uh, Paul Goldschmidt's hitting really well of late, and um, some of these pitchers will come back. And if you look at August, their their schedule is really, really easy. So if they can just get to August, maybe they make a run and the Brewers aren't any sort of a juggernaut. Uh, and then kind of the, the pessimist says, like, come on, you've dug a pretty deep hole and uh, you walk every batter, it seems. <laughs> well, then that gets us up to the next point, which is the trade deadline is at the end of this month. Um, are the Cardinals buyers, meaning that they would try to get new people and improve their rosters, or are they sellers, meaning that they would trade away some of their people for younger talent or people that might be able to help them next year and in the future? Yeah, I think it's a fascinating time that we're having this discussion because the Cardinals come back to play tonight and they have 12 games before the trade deadline. And I really think that maybe at least the first eight games of, of that stretch will determine whether or not they're buyers, sellers, or, or neithers, if that's an option. And, and the reality is that they could use a starting pitcher. And the other reality is they've got a couple guys supposed to return to the rotation in August. But by August, are you out of it? And it, it doesn't really matter. Then they're starting meaningless games. Well, and with this front office, though, in the past several years, they seem to have been very reluctant to make big deals at the deadline, regardless, even when they were in a clear buy position. So with this great level of uncertainty, do you think Moseliak's tendency to, to not just do something but sit there 
will will uh, continue this deadline? Yeah, I mean, there, I hate to say it, but then again, we a lot of people thought that uh, he was sitting on his hands all offseason last year, and then suddenly they traded for the best third baseman of his generation. So I, I, I don't want to say that for sure Moselock's going to not make a move, but of course, recent history says that the trade deadline is not when the Cardinals uh, like to trade prospects. Well, and and looking at um, the at the roster right now, um, my take, as flawed as it may be, is that the Cardinals can't really be sellers because they don't have anybody that anybody would want that the Cardinals would be really willing to get rid of. Because usually, in this case, if I'm right, the people who get traded at the deadline are the people who are almost at the end of their contract. And uh, the, that the team is probably going to lose anyway. If you look at the Cardinals that are going to be in free agency next year, they are either not playing well, injured, or named Yadier Molina or, or Wainwright. <laughs> and I don't right. know that any of those people would get traded. Exactly, exactly. Which which comes to another question. Um, the, the, the big meeting, right? You sit down. If they have to have this meeting with Yadier and Adam and say, look, uh, we're going to be sellers. Are you in your last season of Major League Baseball? Do you want to make one more run and, and be traded to a contender? And, of course, they would have to make that decision. So many emotions would go into that. Do you think that meeting will happen? I, I don't think so because I, I, I knowing Mosellock in the front office, they still feel like they're, they're, they're always, and, and God bless them, they're always coming up with, with ways to explain their optimism. And... For instance, I talked to Moselak a few days ago for a column in the Post-Dispatch, and he talked about how the outfield hadn't been healthy. And now with Harrison Bader back, uh, everyone can slot in the correct position, and he's optimistic that the offense will will improve. And I and I mentioned Paul Goldschmidt. If you look at Goldschmidt since July, excuse, excuse me, since June first, so that's a that's a nice amount of at bats. He's done really really well, like old. Paul Goldschmidt, Arizona, Paul Goldschmidt. So again, there's this optimism over there, but I feel like every month we hear a different, different tune of the optimism. Is there anyone uh, at AAA Memphis that might be a difference maker uh, between now and the end of the season? So Matthew Libator is is a is a popular name, a hot name, and, and really an intriguing name. We're talking about uh, the, the starting pitcher for Memphis, who was supposed to be on the Olympic team, but they decided not to send him to that because they were afraid he would miss key starts in the Cardinals. Uh, minor league system and possibly get called up to St. Louis. And, you know, I mean, of, of course, it, it's the old backup quarterback syndrome, right? If your starting quarterback's not doing well, you've got this unknown guy, like, ooh, maybe he's the one that's going to come in and, and, and ra- raise the bar. But, look, we've, we've seen it even with, with, with Flaherty uh, and some of these top pitching prospects uh, who get called up. It takes a few starts for them to find their game uh, in the major league. So, even if they call up Matthew Libertor, I mean, here, here's thinking it's, it's not going to be an easy run. We've mentioned Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, who are obviously legends in this town and uh, will uh, definitely are on their way to having statues made of them. Arguably, they're both Hall of Fame candidates. Um, do you think this is their last run? If the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, do you think they would come back for one more if they saw enough things change in the organization that would make them think that next year they could be contenders? 
again, I'm I'm speaking on my speculation and not from their mouths, mm-hmm. but I think Wainwright returns for sure next year. I mean, he's pitching at a really high level. Um, we're talking about a guy whose strikeout rate is 8.4. Uh, strikeouts per nine innings. That's even better than some of his Cy Young candidacy seasons. Uh, not by much, but 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 comparable, if not just a little better. So he's pitching at a high level, and age is just a number to him. With Yadier, um, it's hard. It's harder to say. Uh, his offense is is down a little bit, but again, he doesn't measure success strictly by OPS and and WOBA and stats like that and acronyms like that. He he looks at how he handles pitchers, and he looks at how he handles Handles, behind, ha, handles things behind the plate. And real quick, I would say that a way they could save money, you're always looking to save money, is why don't they make the the uh, statue of the two of them hugging each other after <laughs> winning the World Series, two and one. That that would definitely save on bronze, I, I, would, yeah. I, I would think. Uh, so the, the the takeaway here is that the next, uh, next at least the next eight day games are going to be incredibly crucial to figure out whether the Cardinals are going to make a huge uh, push to try to do something or maybe start reloading for next year? Exactly, and, and, and I cannot stress how, on paper, easy the August schedule is. And starting on July 30th, they have 27 games. 24 of them are against teams under 500. I mean that's that's a lot of of games against the Pirates and and the Royals and teams like that. So yeah, again, this is the optimist speaking. But if you can just get to that point, uh, maybe maybe cut off a few games uh, of what you're trailing behind the Brewers. And and if you add a pitcher, even if they don't, if they're just playing good baseball heading into August. There's some optimism they can go on a run, and, and maybe 10 years later, it's 2011 all over again. One last question. It's widely believed that the designated hitter will come to the National League next year after the collective bargaining agreement between the players and owners is hammered out. What do you think? What impact do you think that would have on the Cardinals and the way they would approach their roster? Well, that's a great question, and it, and it means they would need to go after yet another bat. And once Matt Carpenter gets off the books and, and some of the other money gets off the books heading into this offseason, I think they're talking about buying or selling. They're, they're going to have to go out and buy some bats, buy some OPS. Benjamin Hawkman, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, thank you very much for joining us today. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.